The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. I'm Haley Hubbard. And I'm Jessica Diamond, a registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's in public health. And this is Meaningful Living. Every week, we're breaking down the overwhelming amount of parenting, nutrition, and lifestyle information into credible knowledge and simple tools. The Cliff Notes Guide to Feeling Confident in Your Everyday Choices. It takes a village. We're so excited to share ours with you. I don't think this episode could have come at a better time. This week, we're talking to Robin Breckenridge about something no parent can avoid. I'm talking about judgment, shame from other parents, and self-inflicted guilt. We all know that look or a feeling from another parent when our kid is acting out in public or that pang of anxiety when we leave our kids to go to work. In this episode, we discuss mom, dad, parent guilt, and shame, and when it comes up in our parenting, how we identify it and work through it, and of course, not pass it along to our kids. Robin helps us break down why these feelings exist and shares her extremely easy to use tools for combating these negative emotions in a healthy way. Robin is an educator, public speaker, and certified life and relationship coach. Robin has a bachelor's degree in education and a dual certification master's degree in emotional impairment. While teaching incarcerated juveniles, Robin had a profound experience of witnessing how our attachments in childhood shape the way we show up in all areas of our lives. She embodies her nickname Rockstar with her unique style and passionate energy and has helped countless people profoundly heal unhealthy relationships to themselves to become better parents, partners, and individuals. It's so important to us that Meaningful Living is a judgment-free community where all parents can come to to get the information they need to do what's right for them. Everyone's circumstances, experiences, and parenting styles are so unique and personal, and our goal is to make expert resources and tips accessible to everyone so that all parents can feel confident in the choices they make for their families. So I just want to start by saying that, first of all, I'm so blessed for the community and support I've had as a parent, and I know that the experience I've gotten is something uncommon, and I'm really grateful and blessed for it. I'm definitely not an expert, and I am flawed. And that's the exact reason why I started Meaningful Living with Jess. Jess is a registered dietitian nutritionist and an all-around brilliant academic and nutrition expert who has radically transformed the way I think about nutrition, mealtime, and all things parenting, baby, and child. The experts we bring on here and topics we discuss have made such a significant impact on how we parent or want to parent And we feel a responsibility and passion to share these resources with you so that everyone can find the confidence and tools to raise their kids how they want and feel good about their choices. I'm along this journey with you, learning as I go, and I am far from knowing it all, but I'm so grateful to have this space to learn alongside all of you. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. We just put the kids down, and it's just that like time where it's like, it's quiet in here. So my son just got home from school. So I'm like, you have to be quiet. <laughs> it's the time when he comes oh home and, it's, and it's loud. I know that all too well. Well, should I just start it? Yeah, let's go. I think, so I think we already started. Okay. Well, hey, Robin. I'm so happy you're here with us. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. This is so fun to see you face-to-face. For everyone that doesn't know who Robin is, Robin is my life coach. She's also Tyler's life coach and we talk on the phone. So we never get to see each other through Zoom. So this is really fun. Right? Yeah. And we connected like what, a year and a half ago? 
Yeah. You know, when I, when I get clients, it's so interesting, but I feel like you've always been in my life. Like I, I can't remember times, but it, that would probably be about right. I think so. And since then, you have completely transformed the way that I show up in relationships and parent. And obviously, it's always a work in progress. And there's always just new phases that we're working through. But I am so grateful for you. And I'm grateful for you in our life as mine and my husband's life and in our family's life. And so I'm excited for people to get to know you. And yeah learn from you because I learn from you you all the time. Thank you. I mean, it's a blessing and I'm so honored to work with the both of you. And I'm so excited for this platform that you guys are starting because I've been a parent and I know that you can read all the books and talk to your friends and take the classes and there's still so much to learn. So I'm so excited that Mm -hmm. you're doing this. Well, thank you. We are too. I'm excited to learn too. And why don't you just start by kind of setting the scene and explaining what a life and relationship coach is for anyone that might be a little bit confused about it. Yeah. So it is confusing, you know, when people, sometimes people will think I work primarily with couples, but truly what I do is, is in a simplified way, I help people have better relationships to themselves and others. And that's pretty complex when we really dig into it. It's also super individualized for each person and it looks different, but I think that my passion really lies in your relationship to yourself because mm-hmm. it's like that cliche thing. You kind of have to love yourself before you can love anything else, but it's really true. So when I work with individuals or couples, we really do that individual work first because in my experience, we're really not taught how to have a healthy relationship with ourselves. Mm. Yeah, and I know that it. it was definitely my, you know, my story was just really figuring out how, how do you love yourself? Like how, how do you treat yourself with respect and have boundaries? And I tried and tried, and really it's, it's this learned skill that we bring into our relationships and into our lives. So in a nutshell, you know, that's kind of the necessary component to having better relationships in general. That's so amazing. And something Robin, that I admire of you of just what I've heard through Haley is just, you take such a practical approach right? Like you give so many tools that can actually be implemented and used really quickly after you hear them. And so you can really make a big impact in your life in a short period of time. And that's just been so amazing to hear about. And I just love that practicality. Thank you. Yeah. You know, when we, when we're talking about emotions and managing feelings, it seems like such such a huge thing that's so much bigger than us. And really you can simplify it in a way that makes sense and just give you know, bite-sized little tools that you can apply when uh, the situation arises. Yeah. You have helped us so much in our professional life and personal life and and with self-talk. And I think guilt is something... I mean, we've talked about this. It's one of my main things that I'm trying to work through. And I think it's just going to be a daily practice in life. And And this is a big thing for parents. Not only is there mom guilt, but there's dad guilt and and overall parent guilt. Mm -hmm. And so I think it'd be really cool today to touch on that and like how we can identify it, how can we work through it and how do we not pass it down to our kids? I'm so glad I'm here. Such a good conversation. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think that 
you know, there's, there's so many different emotions, but in my experience of working with a lot of people that that is for sure one emotion that, that none of us know how to manage in, in a healthy way without work. I think that, you know, the generations that raised us like primarily had a lot of codependency in their relationships. And that's kind of what we're being called right now to rid ourselves of. Mm-hmm. So I always explain guilt as like a hand on your throat. Like if somebody had a hand on your throat kind of tightly, you wouldn't really be sitting around thinking like, how do I get this off? Or how am I feeling? You just try to get it off so that you can breathe. Right. And emotionally that happens. And I always joke that, you know, when we have a baby, it's like with the baby, they give us the parent guilt. It just comes with the baby. (laughs) (laughs) And it's the parent guilt about everything, right? And any topic. (sighs) That we're talking about, whether it's feeding, whether it's discipline, whether it's the products that you get, you know, when you're first having a baby, it's it's all the right and the wrongs that are just out there that I think make parenting more complicated than it needs to be and just fills, you know, parents with so much guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you're already carrying guilt and shame before you even had this child, you know, there's so many things that can activate. I know Haley and I talked before that I have a 10-year-old son and he's had some pretty significant issues with pickiness around food, like to the degree that I've taken him to an occupational therapist. And it's been a challenge. And th- and that was one place where I was experiencing so much shame as a parent, like, oh my gosh, I can't get him to eat. And then I would show up to him with all of the super anxious energy. And he's just mm-hmm. like, lady, like back up, you know, hold on. I like my chips and (laughs) my grapes and that's it. Like we're all good, you know? And so it was just even being aware of the energy that I was bringing to that because it was really like my not enoughness as a mom that was being activated by that particular situation. And it's all over the place in parenting. That's just one example. Absolutely. I see that all the time, actually. I think that we don't really give enough credit to how much our reactions to things impact how our kids' behavior is. Whether that's in the feeding realm, whether that's in the discipline realm, really any realm of parenting. But I always say that positive and negative pressure with feeding backfires. And it comes from a great place. It comes from our heart. We want to help but that they feel that pressure. No matter how good we think we are at hiding it, they feel it. And usually it ends up giving us the behavior that we don't actually want, right? So with picky eating, the more we try to, you know, entice our kid to eat or, you know, give them positive reinforcement over eating, the more attention over the eating we get, the worse the picky eating gets. And so it's really about letting go and and really trusting our kid and taking them on that journey and, and instilling them the skills without pressuring. Absolutely. And easier said than done, right? I mean, it's like you said, it's just so much harder to actually follow through with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I always, I like to define guilt as I did something bad, like if we really simplify it. And so in the feeding piece for me, it was like, oh, but, but it's supposed to look like this. Right. And then I see it everywhere else and it's supposed to look like this. And the OT says do this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm doing something bad. Like I'm as a mom, I'm doing something bad. And so pausing, breathing into my own energy, just, okay, let's, let's try again. Let, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have invited myself to try again. That's a great, a great tip. Take a pause. We do that with Olivia too. We'll say, okay, do we need to do a reset? Let's, let's just go do a reset real quick and take some deep breaths. And so, you know, instead of 
sometimes a timeout is just not in the cards. And so a reset for all of us is just needed. It's like, okay, let's all take deep breaths and get through this. Absolutely. And I think kids have the ability, you know, Robin, I'm sure you can talk about this in depth, but kids have the ability to push our buttons, not because they're just trying to push our buttons, but because our buttons can be pushed when we see this behavior that we're not used to and we haven't been exposed to until we become parents. I think it brings up our own stuff that we were raised with that we just don't have those tools. And so then we react to our kids. But really, the best thing we can do is actually just confront what's coming up for us so we can handle it so that we show up to it with our kids as calm, cool, and collected as possible. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, Olivia said, we were sitting at the table for lunch and I said, okay, now mommy has to go do some work. And we were recording another podcast and she said, mommy, you don't work. (laughs) We both laughed because it was kind of funny that she said that. But then I also thought, okay, two years ago in my not as healthy self, I might have really taken offense to that because that would have been a huge guilt trigger for me. Like, okay, I'm not enough. I, oh my gosh, do I work? Like, even though I am a a full-time mom and and wear a lot of hats as we all do. And I think that probably would have been a huge trigger. Like, oh gosh, I'm not enough. And my kid sees that I'm not working and then it's opening a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. There's a really good book called The Conscious Parent. I don't know if either one of you have have read it before, but I I read in that book, she explains that um, sometimes we think we're the child's greatest teacher, but the truth is the child is our greatest teacher and that it will bring up all the things in you that are unhealed and unconscious. Mm-hmm. And that is like the roller coaster of parenting in my experience. It's like, wow, um, there's so many places where, I mean, I've done a lot of work on myself and yet there's still places to grow. Um, I know that Haley knows this, but the type of work, a part of the work I do is really looking at developmental psychology and looking at parts of self so that we all are carrying around the energy of a wounded inner child and a wounded adolescent. Typically the wounded child in us is the powerless part of us, the part that didn't really have control in life. And the adolescent is more of the protective type of energy that comes up. And so depending on what happens in your life, it kind of hits that button that activates those parts of self. So it's fascinating to me how often in unconscious state, my adolescent comes in to parent my child. So my adolescent is fiery and when pushed in a corner will fight or control, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So there's times in my parenting where like sometimes I'll yell, you know, and that, that doesn't feel aligned for me. So if I end up yelling, I can, I can go, oh, oh my goodness, my teenager's here. Like something has activated her and I need to go take her in the other room and wait until that energy passes because I don't want to parent my child from that part of self that's damaging for my son. And then always, always, and this is the part of guilt. I think this is a technique I would like to impart is that you can always clean something up, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're human. We're going to make mistakes. There's no way that we're not going to emotionally impact our children to some degree, but we can always clean it up. That's the conscious part. So whenever I do find myself, you know, yelling or losing control, I will always come back to my son and I will identify and name the behavior. I apologize for yelling. No one should ever speak to you that way. That is a disrespectful way to speak to someone. And I'm so sorry. And I'm working on that. That's so good. I mean, 
what's the word that Haley that you use that it's never too late for a repair. Right. Right. And repairing is modeling for our kids. Nothing in in life, like you said, Robin is perfect and we're not expected to be perfect and we shouldn't expect ourselves to be perfect. But those learning moments for our kids that I think are more important than the ones that we set out that we think are going to be important, you know, the birthday party or the thing that we put a lot of effort in, I think the more important moments are when you are repairing, when you're modeling, I did something wrong and I'm apologizing for it because we don't get enough of that in in this world. We just aren't modeled that. And as a kid, I just, I wasn't modeled that as much as a kid of, you know, it, when you make a mistake, own it and tell your kid and, and don't show your kid like, like, oh, I don't know how to handle myself. It's, I loved that. It was mommy knows basically how to take care of her emotions. She, she acted out and she won't do that again. She's working on it. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I'm sitting here like nodding my head. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. I think our parents' generation too, it just wasn't as common to pick up the pieces and, and be vulnerable and do the repairs. It was like, you know, everyone's perfect. Everything's great. Don't worry about it. Let's sweep it under the rug. And and now I think this generation's really trying to show up and and fix that, Not fix that. I guess repair it. And it's really cool to see. And and I'm always or I'm also seeing the value in it, even through our parenting, the times that we have done it. And I I also think that there's this really cool um, in parenting when you watch it flourish when you hold up boundaries and you're consistent. So in in some sense we're we we parent right. We're very consistent with things, but at the same time we're also willing to say when we you know make a repair when something didn't go as planned or we acted in a way that we didn't want to act we come back to them so it's not like we're letting the kid really steer everything we're really steering them but we're modeling them the behavior that we want them to show us absolutely i think it's it's our job to stay at our highest level of consciousness and and you know you won't be able to sustain a high level of consciousness every minute of the day that's what we're saying about it you, you can't be perfect right but when that guilt is present or you think maybe you've, you know, done something out of your integrity, that that's the question I like people to ask is just, did I do something bad, bad, meaning on your own internal integrity, not what society says or Instagram or anything like that. Just, okay. Yeah. You know what? I don't want to yell. I don't like being yelled at. I don't want to model that for my son. So I'm going to go repair that. And sometimes it's like, no, I didn't do any, like, like going on a date night or, you know, taking time for yourself. Like, no, that's, I didn't do anything bad. I'm taking care of myself. So it's just a great measuring stick. It's super simple to just say like, okay, on my terms, did I do something outside of my integrity? And if so, then I can clean it up and not carry it with me. Mm -hmm. Something that really resonates with me and it's helped a lot of people. And I hear it in what you're saying is one of the major reasons, you know, that Haley and I started this platform is that confidence in parenting, I think is everything. That when we have the information where we can feel confident in our choices, I think we can be so much better about that consciousness because then no matter who's telling us other things, when they come from really reliable sources, our parents, our in-laws, our friends, everyone seems in parenting to do things a little differently or have an opinion. And when you as a parent can kind of know what that feeling confident in the choices that you make, it then allows you to show up for your kid in a way that is so much healthier and so much more present. You bring up such a great point, which is really that we do have to have a relationship with ourselves in order to access confidence. And I think one really great way to build confidence is by doing esteemable actions 
right? So like when we're doing Absolutely. things that we're proud of, when we're mm-hmm. parenting in a way we're proud of, we we feel more esteem. But but again, knowing like I was just explaining about the parts of self, knowing the parts of self and when they're activated, knowing, you know, just knowing yourself to the degree that you can access your own truth, that it's not your mother-in-law's truth or what the book says, that it's really yours. And mm-hmm. I think that's where that self-care comes in. And I really like the word self-connection versus self-care because it, it's filled with less guilt, right? Like self-care, sometimes right. we think of like the massage and the girl's night or whatever, but the self-connection is like, are you doing things in which you are connecting to yourself and refilling yourself? Kind of the oxygen mask mm-hmm. analogy, right? You're putting it on yourself first. And I know Haley, you have a lot of experience with that. That is one of my favorite analogies. And I'm so glad you brought that up. I have to remind myself that all the time. And it's one of the reasons that I love having you in my life, Robin. You are part of that self-care or self-connection in addition to, or at least aiming to do things like date nights or girls' nights or walks by myself, which I need to do more of and same with journaling. But I love how you say self-connecting because it really does make me feel less guilty about having time to myself. But when I'm self-connecting on somewhat of a regular basis, I'm my best self and can really show up better for me and for Tyler and also for the kids. But really, it's so cool having you in my life to talk about the big stuff or even just the little stuff that eventually becomes the big stuff. Like my cell phone, for example. Last week, I think one of the things that we touched on was creating better boundaries around my cell phone. It just sounds kind of silly, but even establishing that boundary felt like self-care to me. Absolutely. And you know, the phone is Mm self-care. So it's just shifting the self-care to something that's purposeful that like adds to, again, like those esteemable actions that you, you don't feel like, Oh, I just wasted an hour of my time, you know, and that build the life or the relationships that you're looking to build. And depending again on our patterning, like sometimes maybe growing up, when we felt overwhelmed, we would numb out. We would go in our room and read books or watch television. And so unconsciously, we'll do that too in our family systems. Like, ah, you know, we got three kids and there's so many things going on. Like I'm going to numb out. And when we can pause, like that's such a great word. It's such a taller ask than just saying it, but just to pause Mm -hmm. and say, okay, yeah, I really want to numb out right now. Maybe um, a walk would be beneficial or maybe calling someone for support Mm -hmm. is better than, you know, spending four hours scrolling on Instagram. Not that you do that, but I'm just saying, (laughs) because you don't, but a lot of, I mean, we all do, we all, it's easy, right. We can get on there and go down the rabbit hole. This is so true for anything in parenting, right? Whether it's that we've decided that we have the luxury that you know a parent or someone can step in and we can have a break from our kids, but feeling confident that that break is important and we need it. And if we don't take that time to self-connect, then we can't show up for our kids. So if it's, you know, parents feel guilty over leaving their kids, if they're not there enough. But what I always say is that it's less time, more quality time, but less time is important than 20 you know, hours in or however many, 18 hours, however long they're awake, I should say 12 hours. But <laughs> in those 12 hours, if we're just there, but we're checked out for 12 hours, that's not as meaningful as being there for 10 to 15 minutes and then taking a little break when we have it, when we have that support. Absolutely. I know that my invitation to myself often, like I, I always wanted to be a good mom and I'm putting quotations, air quotes around that good. And that good was like, there was no finish line to it, right? Like it was like not, it was that not enough thing. It was like the good enough, the good enough. And I really switched it to present. 
like being a present mom over a quote unquote good mom. So that really is like quality over quantity. And I'll tell you, like I do a lot of that repairing in adults, what, what they didn't get growing up and, and really everybody wants to be seen, heard and understood. Mm -hmm. And when we don't have the bandwidth, like Jessica, you said something earlier about like the kids know, right? Like there is an absolute energy doesn't lie. If you don't have the bandwidth and you're not really present, that child feels it. They're not getting what they need. So I do, I totally believe in presence over like good enough. Yeah, that's so profound. And if there's one thing to keep in your mind repeating over and over, it would be that statement. That's that's fantastic. I mean, I think that's the best gift we can give our kids is to be present. And we live in a world right now where not being present is so much easier than being present. We have to be intentional to put our phone away. We have to be intentional to turn off the TV. We have to be intentional not to be multitasking. I mean, we've been home for so long now and we're working and we're with our kids and we're trying to take a shower and we have, you know, someone constantly there 24 seven, we don't have these moments of quiet time that we used to. Mm -hmm. And balancing that right now, I think is harder than ever. And so I love that just as much as you can be present, that's such an actionable thing to do. Right. That's a good topic because I think a lot of us, everyone has had a hard year. It's been a year since we were all quarantined and the whole pandemic started and it's hard to get away. You know, you're at home with your kids and even if you're working from home, like your kids are still there, they're schooling from home. What is something that parents and people could do for a little self-care? What's something that people can do that's really attainable and that's just kind of an easy little thing to implement? Yeah. So I think if we're going in that self-connection direction, because we're, we're refilling and, and adding to that bandwidth that we're taking back to the kids. I know Haley, you know this, but I always have my clients create goals in different areas of their life so that we're really showing up from a whole perspective for ourselves, because a lot of times we'll default to what's important. Like maybe we'll physically show up for ourselves and we work out, but emotionally we're pushing our feelings down all the time and then exploding. So it's a really great way to be intentional, like you said, of just setting goals. So I have like an invitation to the listeners and it's a bite-sized invitation because you don't want to start off too big. Typically I take my clients into this a little bit more in depth, but it's really just creating three goals or intentions or way to sh- ways to show up for yourself because believe it or not goals can be a really activating word for people mm-hmm. if you're in business and you have the smart goals and the evaluations you know this is really just about like showing up for yourself in a different way so the three areas that i would invite people to show up is emotionally physically and intellectually so that means that you would create one goal or way to show up emotionally That could look like a gratitude list. That could look like journaling. It could look like reading a book that has an emotional component to it, something that you're looking to work for, working with a life coach. Um, There's something that I love and I have people do, which is every day writing a list of three to five things that you're proud of yourself for that day. And that's a great one for moms or parents because we can get really focused on what we're not doing well, and we're all doing some things well. So it's just kind of shifting that perspective. Physically, a goal for that could look like movement 
And I say movement, not exercise, because that can be a super activating word for people, but literally just going on a walk, stretching, exercising, if you feel called to do that, creating or cooking a healthy meal, like putting something nutritious in your body. Um, It could mean watching your sleep. And I know Haley, that's you know, with three kids, that's really something that's challenging. Right. Mm -hmm. But like putting that phone in the other room at 10 PM and actually going to bed when the kids are sleeping yeah, so that you have a better bandwidth the next day. And Mm -hmm. then intellectually, I, I, I brought that one because I know, especially when the kids are young, that can be a place that we neglect kind of naturally. And that intellectual piece is really about growing yourself, growing yourself in a place of interest. So that could look like a podcast, like this podcast today that the listeners are hearing could be one goal that they just achieved by tuning in and connecting to something that's growing them, reading a book, engaging in a creative passion. That's something sometimes when we get busy too, we neglect, like there's adult coloring books. There's, you know, so many things that you can do to just connect back to that part of self. And again, I know time is always an issue for parents. But this could literally take 15 minutes of your, I mean, it will take no more than a minute or two to write them and 15 minutes to do. Mm-hmm. And it's just about prioritizing those 15 minutes. Those are, those are such great actionable items. I love the different buckets too, because we can really think about ourselves as a whole because some people will feel like I'm doing a lot of self-care or self-connection already, but I'm not, I'm still feeling just so scattered. I just, I don't feel I guess the word is centered. Like I just don't feel calm. There's just so I'm being talked to or doing something all of the hours of the day. And so I like scheduling in something like that for 15 minutes of just the self-connection where you can take time for yourself. That's great. Something I'm currently working on. <laughs> but Haley, you know, when you do it, then it starts like you feel so good. Oh, it feels so good. When I do it, when I put my phone away and I actually like schedule out my day, honestly, if I put a notepad by my bed at night and I, instead of putting stuff in my phone or texting that person back, I've been writing it down on a little notepad on my bedside. And that helps me because then the next day I'm like, oh yeah, text so-and-so back and you know review this podcast and whatever it is. But before I was like doing it on my phone at night while, you know, Tyler's laying there next to me, like get off of your phone. (laughs) And that's helped quite a bit. It's what I used to tell my mom to do when I was still living under her roof. And she was like, oh, I just can't sleep. I have so much on my mind. And I put a notepad by her bed. And now I'm like, oh, I need to take my own advice. I was telling my mom to do this. Now I need to do this. That's so funny you say that, Haley, because something that's been life-changing for me over the past, I would say, month, I mean, we're balancing a lot with this podcast and we're just wearing a lot of different hats right now. And I've been starting using Post-it notes and I put a different Post-it note for each facet of my life. So things that I need to worry about for Bryce, things I need to worry about for the home, things I need to worry about for meaningful living. And that way it helps me just even prioritize my time. So at night I can jot something down so I don't forget it the next day. And it's just really organized for me. And that's really helped me hit those goals during the day in a, in a much better way. Mm-hmm. That's a great, that's a really good idea. Yeah. There's actually studies that show if you just write it down, 
you're so much more likely to actually do it. I mean, that intention piece is so big. We, we all have blind spots in our life, right? And when you have so many things and you're wearing so many different hats and spinning so many different plates, you can have really great intentions. Oh yeah, tomorrow I'm going to get on the Peloton or I'm going to, you know, read that book and then life happens. So for me, I I've scheduled it in the morning. Um, sometimes mornings aren't great for people, especially if your kids get up early. So mornings and night seem to be the best, but, but you get to pick. And my phrase that I use the most with my clients is do it differently. If there's an area in your life that you feel like there's a challenge and it's not working the way you want it to, even if it's slightly different, like if you took three minutes, like that's a step forward, it all counts, but just in at least one of those areas, just do it differently and see what happens. If you do it Three times in one week, I guarantee you, after you do it, you're going to experience some esteem and then value it a little bit more. That reminds me something my husband says all the time to his patients. He, he's a doctor. And one of the things he says is, you know, really helping with behavior change. And if we go from, I want to start doing more movement and we go from, okay, tomorrow I'm going to walk for 20 minutes. And up until this point, I haven't walked for 20 minutes. You're not, it's just not realistic and that's just not sustainable. So he always says, start with putting your walking shoes outside your door every night for five days. And then after that, add on to them, put them on. Then after that, start walking. And obviously you can expedite it as fast as it works for you, but actually breaking down these things that we want to accomplish into much, much smaller goals that we almost think are silly, but that way we're completing them and we get more consistent and we can actually move the pendulum to change our behavior. Mm, Yes. And celebrate them. We have to celebrate the little victories. I always tell myself and new moms, even if you just get a shower in that day, That's huge. That is huge. Big win. Huge win. Oh my gosh, I blew dry my hair today. Things like that. I mean, we have to celebrate those and like almost pretend to check it off a list or write it down and check it off if if that helps. More check boxes that you can check off, the better. I love that. Mm -hmm. Even if you have to write it down just to check Mm -hmm. it off. And I think, you know, just giving yourself grace because I love a good line through something that I've done. But sometimes when you know, life picks up and it does. Like, I just don't think self-care is a straight line. Like it will ebb and flow with life. Right. But if you notice you're not checking them off, like just take one of those things off the list, you know, like you were saying, just those incremental steps. Mm -hmm. I need to do that. I've had do the kids scrapbooks and photo albums on my to-do list for like a year and a half. And it just keeps getting pushed down and pushed down. And then the anxiety of like, well, we've taken so many more pictures now. And oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And it's almost like so big now that it's like, I avoid it. I'm like, oh, this is too much to handle. Like, I'm not going to do it. And then I think about down the road, I'm like, oh, then it's really going to be hard. And so now it's just this, I need to to face it like that. Baby steps. Okay. Yeah. Baby steps. Do little baby steps. Robin, one other thing I wanted to ask you about is that I think we do things behind closed doors with parenting. Like we can give ourselves more grace when we're alone and we can work through those kinks a lot better. But the second we show up for a play date, you know, how wherever you're at in this point of of the pandemic, but as kids start to be around other kids and our kids act out in ways that are normal, whether it's a tantrum, whether, you know, they're more of a picky eater, it almost seems like we want to jump in and fix that when we're in front of people, but we would do it differently at home. What are some strategies just to help other parents be more almost accepting of, of other people's parenting and, and knowing that kids are, no, are not perfect? But I guess maybe a better question is, what could you say to a parent 
when your kid is acting in a way that is socially, you know, in a way they're having a tantrum and we want to just stop it, but we know that's not the best thing for our kid, but to hear them. What's something we could say to a parent to just help our kids in public scenarios like that? Yeah. That, that can be really tough. I, I know that I taught preschool when I was young and, you know, you would see things. And I remember I saw a, a little boy slap his mom and I was probably like 19. And I remember like, no, no child of mine is ever going to hit me, you know? And then sure enough, one day I'm putting my son in the car seat and he just like slaps me straight across the face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in front of the whole parking lot is preschool. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm humiliated, right? And um, previous to doing this, I, I was in education. I taught kindergarten and I taught emotionally impaired kids and teens. And kids and humans, we all learn by making mistakes, right? Like that's the part that our own not enough and fear of judgment and anxiety doesn't allow to happen naturally for our kids. So I think that one tool could be just to breathe, just come back in your body, right? Like, okay, it is normal for my child to be doing this. And I'm having an anxious reaction to this. And I think that depending on what your experience has been with judgment, a lot of us have been really wounded. So sometimes we're not even having a lot of like cognitive processing when this is happening, but it's just coming in your body, breathing. And I think like a really great thing to say would just be like, you know, we're really working on sharing. We're really working on handling our anger. Thank you so much for your patience. That is perfect. You know, we're Mm -hmm. acknowledging it, we're speaking to it. And we're also just kind of opening up that space of like, maybe even if you're not being patient, like (laughs) what, what else can we do? Right. Right. Everybody's kid hit someone and stole their toy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's normal. We've started to have some play dates and our kids aren't sharing as well as they maybe were or used to. And and they're just not as comfortable being around people. And I think that's an, a whole nother reality we're going to have to face. But I kind of find myself making excuses like, oh, sorry, we haven't really been around kids. Like we're we're getting used to this. We're, we're trying to share more. And so I find myself feeling that little anxious, like, oh gosh, she's not sharing. And yeah, and feeling a little guilt for that. So that's a really great tip. I think that like the job description of what we do as parents is so lengthy and it's always being added on. Like, I just think about if you were to get a job, normally, you know, they give you like, here's what you do. And for me, the way I simplified my job description as a parent is that my job is to keep my child emotionally and physically safe. And one thing that a lot of us didn't get in our experience growing up was allowing our children to have feelings, good, bad, and ugly. And if you can take yourself back to being four and having a toy that you love, like it makes a whole lot of sense. You don't want to give that to someone else. Right. When I have to have my son get off his video game, you know, like there's that part of me that's like, he's like, why? Because I said so. And it's like, nope, breathe into that. I understand it's hard to be 10 years old and get off a video game when you want to play with your friends, especially during a pandemic when he's an only child and we're not getting any exposure to other children. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I understand that that's really frustrating for you and you're going to have to get off the video game. Same with the sharing. Like, I know this is your favorite toy and it's really hard to give that up. You know, Mm -hmm. so we're just acknowledging to that child that like we see them in the feeling. Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, we might be like in the midst of being embarrassed 
Yeah. One of the just like slight language changes that I've made that has been helpful is instead of sharing, I say taking turns because then it helps them like understand when they're that young, right? When their lives age, they're really young. They don't really understand the concept of sharing. It's my toy and someone else is playing with my toy. So it's taking turns. And someone told me once that a tip for when you have a kid coming over is to have your kid choose like their five favorite toys and put them away. Mm. I remember who told me this. It was Allison Latonia. She's someone at Baby Group in Los Angeles. And she said, have them choose five toys and put them in their closet so that that way you can say like, these are your five favorite toys and whoever's coming over, these are off limits. These are yours and these are off limits. And we'll take turns with the other toys that are out there. That's a great tip. I've never heard that before. I, I like that. We're going to come up with a lot of a lot of taking turns, sharing issues as we phase this next year. Mm-hmm, for you sure. Know, this reintegration for kids. For sure. Haley, anything else you had for Robin? Yeah, something I want to talk about, and we kind of touched on it, was boundaries. And that is a huge topic that I think we should do a whole nother podcast on someday. But just in parenting generally, how hard it is to stick to a boundary. And Jess and I always talk about consistency and how important that is in parenting. And I'm finding it with my own parenting, it's hard to uphold some of those boundaries, whether it's with feeding or sleeping and their schedules. And, you know, our kids are on a pretty good schedule. They wake up at 7.30, they eat at 8 o'clock, they eat at 12 o'clock, they eat at 6 o'clock, and they go to bed at 7.30. It's like the same every day, except for, of course, those special occasions. And lately, Olivia has been waking up at 6.30. We're in California right now. It's sunny out. She can see the sun come in her room earlier. And she just naturally wakes up now earlier. Now her hatch light comes on at 7.30 and she's supposed to wait until that hatch light comes on. And she's been coming in our room and it's so cute, of course. And she's like, can I come snuggle with you guys? And of course on the day, it's like, well, yeah, sure you can snuggle but I'm like going in my head, okay, what's this going to look like a week from now? What's this going to look like a year from now and three years from now and 10 years from now? And I almost have to think, okay, how do I want this to affect that? And so we're kind of in this limbo right now with her waking up early. And yesterday I let her get into bed with me and I was like, but this is a really special occasion. And it's just hard. (laughs) It's really hard. This morning, I just walked her right back to bed because I just don't want to get in that habit of having her get into bed. Like, what's the solution to that and and to upholding boundaries, which is kind of a really difficult question. Well, it's a complex question. I can try my best. You know, <laughs> okay. we could do we could do a lot of episodes on boundaries, right? Right. I think that it's sometimes just breathing into the fear and the rigidity sometimes too, just like, okay, because you can see how you kind of went into the fear of it. Like I can see 10 years from now and how this is going to impact. Right. And it sounds like sometimes our kids just need a little bit more connection. And then sometimes we can feel when they're kind of taking advantage of it, you know? So it might be like a meet halfway kind of thing. Like maybe there's a, every Friday is that special day where you just get to snuggle and connect. And the rest of the days, that's where, you know, when I talk about boundaries with people, I talk about invitations to others and invitations to self. And there's a lot of times where the boundary invitation is to self, right? So it's like, okay, then Monday through Thursday, I have to breathe into the guilt, 
that comes up with sending her back and, and knowing that like, that's my own personal boundary is to keep that consistent. And Fridays is that special day where we get to connect a little bit more. Mm -hmm. That's a great plan. I do tell her sometimes like mommy and daddy need alone time, or I need my alone time, or I need my time reading or time with Jesus. Cause that's, you know, kind of a parent's only quiet time throughout the day, unless they're napping. And she kind of understands that, but I like that having a day where she knows that we get to snuggle and, and have that time. And I think that's great too, because you're setting up predictability for them, right? Mm-hmm. I think the thing that we always think with boundaries is we always go to this place where we think of rigidity. But when we really think boundaries are the way kids feel loved and consistency is the way that kids feel loved. And so when we can do that together, when we're feeling that guilt, we know that we're doing it for the right thing for our kid. And then you both get to look forward to that time that you set aside for those snuggles and they get to look forward to that, you know? Yeah. I think as far as emotional health goes, trust is, is the biggest component to intimacy. And so that consistency piece, knowing what to expect, having clear expectations, right? Because that's the one thing with our kids. If, and, and I'm just using you as an example, Haley, but if it's like, oh, I don't feel like saying no. So this, but you know, it's just confusing to her right. on what, what, what the expectations are, are so like clarity, boundaries, clear communication. Those are all ways that we build trust that goes with our relationship to ourselves, others and children, because we can even do that to ourselves mm-hmm. sometimes like, oh yeah, I'm going to get up tomorrow and do that walk. And then I don't. And then I have so many of my clients come to me. Oh, I'm not, I, I never follow through. Mm-hmm. And that really translates to, I don't trust myself to show up because I'm inconsistent with myself. Wow. Right. So, so that trust piece, like that, just that clarity of, Hey, Fridays, you get to come, you know what to expect every other day, you know what to expect, but you still get what I think she's asking for, which is connection. Mm-hmm. Which she gets a lot of, but you're right. I think yeah. she, <laughs> that she's milking it. She loves nighttime snuggles. We snuggle yeah. every night and <laughs> she's just a snuggler. I think that comes back though to just our job as parents is to raise confident, emotionally competent, resilient kids. And the best way to, they just thrive, like when you can tell yourself to be consistent and when you can, as much as you don't want to, like as much as, as inconvenient as it is, the more consistent and the more we can plan out for them. Um, I, I see it with Bryce. I see it with my clients. I see it all the time. Just kids' behavior improves so much because exactly like you're saying, Robin, they, they trust what you say. You mean what you say and you do it. It's really how you grow up with a secure attachment in the world. And that's what we're kind of talking about in this podcast is being able to shift into your own secure space, the breathing, the pausing, the self-connection time so okay. that you can, you can be that steady, sturdy, safe place for your children. And what a great reminder, even if it's, if you kind of put the guilt aside and say like, this is for my kid, this is healthy for my child, for me to hold this boundary. I think that actually helps instead of making it about yourself. It's like, no, it's about them. This keeps them feeling safe and loved, even though it might not seem like it at the time. And they might not agree with it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Their reaction does not dictate, I guess, the boundary that we hold up. Exactly. Yeah. So we have one last question for you then. What has made you feel full this week? Oh, that's a good question. You know, connecting to my creative interests, it fills me up to a degree 
that the space is limitless. Like when we connect to something that we're really aligned with, and I think sometimes life can get so busy and especially during this pandemic with just kind of being in survival mode that we don't get to spend time doing that. And this week with my son going back to school full-time and having a little bit more space and bandwidth, I was able to connect to my own passions and it feels so good. And and then I just have so much more to give my clients, my family. So Mm -hmm. I was able to do a little bit more of that. And it did take some prioritizing. You know, I had to carve out a little bit of time in the morning. Um, I'm starting a business and I was able to really get into the creative part of the business, which is so fun. It's why I'm doing it. What's your business you're creating? Ooh, well, it's it's still in the in the you know beginning stages, but I'm I'm looking to create a platform for helping professionals that will they'll be able to buy and sell each other's original content so that we could make the helping professions and mental health fields just more resourceful. And I'm really excited. I think it can really help a lot of professionals and then in turn, a lot of end users and their clients by just having more resources available. Oh, that's incredible. Really incredible. I also, for anyone that is listening and wanting to know, how do I get in touch with Robin? And you know, how do I find a life coach? Robin, do you want to let people know how they can get in touch with you or find you? Sure. So I have a website. It's robinbreckenridge.com. And then uh, on Instagram, I am at coach with Robin. So you can, you know, contact me either way. On Instagram, I post and repost a lot of content like we were talking about today that just kind of reinforces, you know, self-love boundaries and just overall having healthier life and relationships. And I highly encourage anybody that's interested in just growing themselves or stepping into some of the challenges to shift to healthier solutions to seek out, you know, a therapist or a life coach and um, specifically anyone that's trained in trauma or attachment style. There's a lot of really, really good work and a lot of really great professionals out there. Mm -hmm. Well, Robin, thank you so much. I always learn from you. I mean, every time we talk, I'm taking away things. And so thank you so much for your time today and sharing and for talking with us. Thank you so much for having me. I am, again, so excited for the work that you guys are doing and the conversations that you're putting out into the world. So it was an honor and privilege. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you found something meaningful from this episode. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We want to hear from you. Your thoughts, experiences, and anything you want us to cover. Tune in every Monday for a new episode of Meaningful Living. And if you're looking for more ways to live a meaningful life, follow us on Instagram at Meaningful Living and visit our website, MeaningfulLiving.com. Can't wait to see you next week. 